everyone. Welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci. And Scott Jans. This is episode 63, Fairy Tale in the Forest. Ooh, I like that. Sounds good. <laughs> hey guys, this uh, podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. We partnered with Audible because they agreed to give our listeners, you, a 30-day free trial on over 180,000 audiobooks and titles. Our listeners get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash trust the trail. It helps us. If you buy a book, it definitely helps us support the show. We encourage you to go out there and get your free audiobook. We just listen to Fail Until You Don't Fight, Grind, Repeat. This is a free audiobook. When you sign up, definitely, it's a very motivating book. So it was the number one book on the New York Times bestseller list. Author is Bobby Bones. Awesome, awesome book. Again, it's 180,000 titles to choose from, from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash trust the trail. So go get that book. On this episode, we talk about the synchronized fireflies that live in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, congregating in one of the most historical towns in the southeast. In fact, this town is now a campground, Elkmont Campground. Elkmont used to be a logging town owned by the Little River Lumber Company and was located where the existing Elkmont Campground now stands. In about 1910, the company began selling land to individuals for the purpose of creating a private social club, thus called the Appalachian Club. The Appalachian Club house was used as a lodge, and then, then soon members began building their own vacation cottages around it. Today, many of the cottages are still standing, which makes for an amazing interactive backdrop for a fairy tale in the forest. Yeah, and I mean, we could do a whole podcast on the Elkmont Campground alone because it has so much history. Um, and when you visit the Elkmont Campground, you drive in, it, you, it, it's almost impossible to think about this used to be a town. Yeah. And people used to live there. And they had their own zip code. <laughs> That's crazy to think. And a big railroad used to run right through the campground. Well, it's hard to imagine it because of the way it's nestled into the campground. And, well, and it's all new growth trees. So yeah. it's crazy because that was, you know, like there's so much part. Well, there's a lot of the Smoky Mountain mountains that are what they would call new growth. Of course, when you're in there, you can't phantom that because you're just surrounded by trees. But at one point in time, a lot of those trees were gone. They were logged. And so these railroad companies, like the Little River um, Lumber Company, by the way, right out of Elkmont, is called the Little River Trail. That will eventually take you along Little River Creek, <laughs> or Little River, Little River. Great swimming holes. Great swimming holes. <laughs> and then eventually will take you up on the ridge to the Appalachian Trail. So it, it's got a ton of history and so when you're there it's hard to believe like wow this used to be like not only a rail company a lumber company and all of these trees were gone and there were houses 
there. Yeah, so the, the I mean, the setup is, I, I know this is crazy to say something so historical, but this, the setup of these vacation homes has this very elusive feeling to kind of mimicking like d- dirty dancing setup. Oh, even though absolutely. It's completely different no, era. it's absolutely. <laughs> so every uh, time I walk through it, yeah, I'm it like, is. It's wow. very dirty dancing cabins. <laughs> Uh, if you go up, so there's like two different roads. You've got the Jake's Creek Trail, and that is like in the upper part of the campground. But then you have the little river uh, trail where the actual railroad used to go through. And um, these houses are are now now some of the houses are gone. Um, I think Recent they tore. I think they tore some year. of them down this last year in 2017. But the upper part, they're still there. And it literally is like going back in time, um, especially when you're walking down the road. And then, of course, they have the photographs of what life used to be like. Yeah. And it really was like a summer vacation home. And the Appalachian Club was very social. <laughs> and they were all rich people that came out of Knoxville, Tennessee, and they wanted a little vacation home. And so they would come and they built these homes and they were good sized homes. They were, yeah. they were pretty big. Very well built in my opinion. Well, they, they lasted 50 years. So when the Appalachian Mountain Club or the Appalachian Club came out there and they were, you know, they, 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 were, they had all these cottages built, the, um, the National Park Service, who was just starting back then, they said, hey, we're gonna make the Smoky Mountain National Park you know, like a national park. And they're like, well, we don't want to give up these homes. And so the park said, well, okay. And and the the, the ironic thing is they kicked so many settlements out of the park or out of the Smoky Mountains to make it a park. They kicked so many people out. But for some reason, probably because of money and prestige, and it was a upper-class social club, the National Park Service said, okay, well, fine. We'll let you keep your home, um, and we'll give you a 50-year lease. And they're like, okay. So the leases didn't end until 1992, um, which is crazy. And so these homes stayed. I didn't know that. I knew that the lease ended that. No, the park couldn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So these homes stayed. And so there's a lot of debate now whether to make it a a historical landmark and there's there's a lot of debate where they couldn't these homes were starting to get dangerous because they were falling in the roofs were falling in but when you walk back there it, it it's such a historical um, place and if you combine that with the synchronous fireflies which is what this podcast is about when you go back there you are standing in like this rich historical um i i will never forget sitting on the front patio with Jacqueline. yeah Wait in a by a house yeah. like on the front porch of a house, watching what I could only describe as something out of a fairy tale movie, where there are these synchronous fireflies all around you. Oh, it's it was it's, a very magical experience. It, exactly, I'll never it's forget so that. Reminiscent of a fairy tale, you you feel, you feel when you're in the presence of these these fireflies in this mass amount. You know, this you, you're literally standing in their mating grounds, and it's just this like intense feeling of 
Am I really witnessing this? Am well, I seeing this? This is well, so beautiful. Well, the thing is, is like you know, you watch. And it's you, so rhythmic. Well, you watch these fairy tale, fairy tale, and you know, I'm not going to say I watch a lot of fairy tale movies, <laughs> but <laughs> good safe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like that stereotype where you know you're 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 in the enchanted forest and all these all these like like lights are just going around you and they're surrounding you okay no joke that's the synchronous fireflies in the great smoky mountain national park true we kid you not and it is really kind of like this experience where you're standing there like this is crazy weird it's really cool if you get there at the right time and you get to there and you get to see it peak and you're at the right place at the right time it has a lot to do with timing folks but um, and we'll, we'll kind of go into that in our podcast, but it, it is just really a super amazing experience. And I would have to say to my partner here <laughs> that the synchronous fireflies really kind of like we we maybe were starting to kind of like each other back then. <laughs> we took a group we out there. Establishing a, we were establishing a may relationship. Have been, we may have been establishing some stuff. <laughs> but um, we we took a group out there. We, we go every year. We take a, a large group out there. We get about two or three campsites. Um, and uh, we limit it. I think we limit it. I think, what are we, like like 12 people? Yeah, that's about it's, all It's you a can very, have. very small group of people that we take. Um and we go every year and we, we, you know, we cook out, we do the whole, um, the whole car camping thing, but it is a magical experience. We have never had anybody not want to desperately go back the next year. Um, it's just, it, it's just crazy, crazy beautiful. So the synchronous firefly, he, they are, they are, they are tricky. <laughs> they are, um, they are species of which there is no other and don't call it a lightning bug you would be you would be like dishonoring the species right <laughs> yeah right? yeah i mean it's um it's this particular species is is one of all 19 species of fireflies aka lightning bugs right right <laughs> <laughs> that you find in the great smoky mountains right yeah so but they're a different kind of like I would never put them in a category of a lightning bug because they are such a rare well, species. Well, what makes them so rare is their mating format, and I don't know if that's a it's a weird way to say it, but it's their their mating display. I guess is a better way of saying it. Yeah. The way in which they choose to mate, and it's all very individual. And I know it's competitive, but the way they do it almost becomes like a unit it's so weird it's like they work together to get towards the end result which that's humans, the synchronous part of it humans could take a cue out of their book <laughs> <laughs> maybe but but when you when you watch these oh i don't mean it like that oh okay when you watch <laughs> when when you watch the the synchronization of the fireflies it really is like a wave in the forest yeah. it's like a wave and it's like you can just watch this wave go through uh, the woods. And if you're in the woods and you're a part of this wave, it's like, I mean, we're not talking about 100, 200. We're talking about tens of thousands of yeah. these fireflies that are all around you that 
just boom light up and then they go and then they boom they light up and then they go and it really is very rhythmic so the, well it puts you in a trance oh my, it's crazy cool so the firefly the synchronous firefly the one the species that we are talking about they're actually called Photinus carolinus you That's, sure you said that right no i probably hacked it but <laughs> i'm just throwing it out there um it's Photinus carolinus and like Ariane said, they're one of the 19 species in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. But they're the only species, get this, they're the only species in America whose individual can synchronize their flashing light patterns. The only one. There is no other species in America can, that can do what these guys can do in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, which is really cool like yeah. why Elkmont yeah like how they get there it was a logging town <laughs> you know what I mean yeah because the only other species like them are in Malaysia you know I mean they're not even in America so it's like how did they get to Elkmont in the Smoky Mountains like did, did they take a train did they you know like how they get there they very well could have taken a train from Asia <laughs> I don't I don't know I mean I mean there was a train I mean, there were railroad tracks that went through. I know, but how do you how think that they settled in the? I mean, it's quite possible. It, it could be. And when we talk about not carrying fruit, you know, oh logs yeah, right, from right, place right, to place, right. I mean, it's no, all very. You know, maybe, and I guess it would only take two—a female and a male—to say, "Hey, we like this place." Because unless they, they need this synchronization to light up. Well, you know, their, their lighting patterns are part <laughs> of their of like their mating display. So each species of the firefly has a characteristic characteristic of flash patterns that help its male and female individuals recognize each other. So that's crazy. So depending on how they flash, they know which one's the male and which one's the female. Well, that makes sense to me. Um, the peak flashing of the synchronous fireflies in the park is normally within only a two-week period in late May and in mid-June. And I'm going to, for for people that are... very hard to plan to yeah, go see them. Yeah, for, <laughs> for everyone who's listening to our podcast that's Googling synchronous fireflies in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, I'm just going to tell you, getting a campsite there takes... Uh, it a year takes, in advance, <laughs> it, I, I would say. Yeah, You've well, got to start planning a year in advance. Yeah, and it... And but it, you can book, I think seven months out six months in advance six. and but it takes a lot of dedication so you're going to be booking this <laughs> stuff at 1201 a.m okay that's kind of how it works and um maybe at the end of this podcast maybe we'll divulge a little trick on how to do that but for the most part they're hard to get a lot of people show up from all over the world this is a very global event in the Smoky Mountain National Park. So you get a lot of different cultures, you get a lot of different people from around the globe because this this two-week mating uh, period that they go through is so special. Well, it's so, yeah, it's, it's it, it literally, the experience itself is so rare to be able to get to witness and see that, I mean, it's so stunning and it work, it's worth all the effort that you put in to go see it. Absolutely. Um, it's pretty much like a once in a lifetime experience. But the reason it's so challenging to plan is because just like with anything with season change, these 
I almost said lightning bugs, but these synchronized fireflies are so dependent upon the moisture level, the richness of the soil, um, yep. the the amount the amount of water in the air versus a drought. Very aspect. atmospheric. It's so Absolutely. contingent on that that sometimes you get a little weaker display versus like this most unbelievable display and it it's fancying over a two-week period of time but you don't really know when peak is going to hit until it is hit and you maybe have a few days notice yeah well that's the thing that that boggles the scientists is that they can't predict it so you know you have all these scientists and um i think they're called ophthalmologists they study insects they go out there and through you know hundreds of hundreds of years they still don't know when these uh when the peak of the synchronization or the peak of the mating part is gonna is gonna happen so the the smoky mountains they they usually put it out late so you have kind of like a gray area between eh, like maybe the second to last or last week of may to the first two weeks of june and that's it that's your window so we have gone and we've 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 done a couple different things so one year we went and we thought oh my god we went too early and i think we went before memorial day i think it was the weekend before memorial day so it was like the third week of may we thought we had we would gone way too early it was the most beautiful it was the only yeah there was like there was like two sites like <laughs> like the sites that nobody wants but see those are the sites that we always go for because you know it's it's all about you know all the people that you're with anyway so and we're going there for the event you know we're not going there for the perfect campsite so there are walk-in sites which we love tent only no problem and so we thought we'd gone too early well for that year in particular they came out very early yeah we we were lucky and we it was it was probably the best the the best year we've ever been (laughs) absolutely i mean and they were just and and that was um i had done a lot of um a lot of uh study on how to take photographs of these things right and so i i brought my camera and i i really set up and i dug in and um i learned a lot about how to take photographs of a firefly which ironically is a very long process yeah um you're taking like 40 to 50 photographs and there's a process on how to do that and they came out pretty good i was pretty happy with it for my first time ever trying to do it and um here we are like by a bridge like a stone bridge sitting there and all these fireflies with a house in the background and it was just such a magical experience so it's funny because i have fond memories of fireflies as a child catching them in jars catching them in my hands scaring my little sister with them you know and it's like you get so excited in the summer times everyone rushes out right at dusk and you're like seeing one or two light up. You may see six or seven bundled together. And you're just like so enthralled. Everybody can probably relate in some form. You're like, ooh, a lightning bug, you know? Oh my right. gosh. Like, And it's just this like very 
exciting moment, especially as a child. But even as an adult, I look at them and I'm like, oh my God, that's a lightning bug. And I get so excited. But, but there's nothing that compares to the swarms that you walk into. And in order to get them... It's very special. That's the thing. It's very special. So, I mean, part of it is is that, you know, you're walking in this complete darkness and you're feeling your way around and you're, you're worried about stomping on the, the, the females that are laying low on the ground. Well, but... and we should mention that there are no headlamps. There's, you are, you're not allowed to... You, you can't go down these trails and you cannot meander you can use, through you can use a red light but it's highly discouraged yeah i mean when we went we were in complete darkness i mean you're basically feeling your way you can barely see the ground um and if someone turns on their headlamp oh man i mean we we read well, them the riot act i mean it's it, <laughs> it is it it screws them up it it's it well it's 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 being respectful yeah to absolutely their mating process because yet again here we are as humans you know, overtaking and, yeah, actually, absolutely. them and expecting them to perform for us. But yet there's not enough respect offered back to them. And, and in many cases, this event has become so popular. There is some diminishing of numbers just based alone on the foot traffic that comes through there. Yeah, it's which is disheartening. And I don't want to really go but, much into that. But, you know, I, I'll never forget I went in and I was like, okay, I'm going to go watch this. I got an invite by Scott. And this is what maybe the first like multiple times we had hung out. And he's like, okay, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, well, I have to work. And he goes, take it off. And I was like, well, I really can't take it off. You know, I'm in management. I kind of have to manage the people and the building and, you know, everything else that's going on. And he's like, no, trust me, this is going to be so worth it. Come. So... I decided I did not play hooky, but I decided I'm going to believe this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to see what this, all this fuss is about. I drove four hours in the late afternoon just to get there before dusk. <laughs> Pop in, you know, enjoy a hot dog with the group. We go and see these synchronized fireflies. Unbelievable. And I we go to sleep really late. And I wake up at 2.30 in the morning to drive all the way, four hours back to Atlanta, just to make it to work the next morning. <laughs> and it was so worth it yeah, because you're in the stillness of the forest. It's, it's completely dark. And you have this, they come out right at dusk. And you're kind of like, oh, it's a little bit of a weak display. I was expecting something more. And then before you realize it, the entire forest lights up. But it just, it, it doesn't light up like regular fireflies light up. It lights up in this. It's like a symphony. It's like it there's a warm really up. It really true is. There's like a warm yeah. up. And then there's like a crescendo in the symphony. That's and exactly what it feels like. You're, you're, in, the, you're, you're in the woods. Um, and you're thinking, oh my God. And you just have like this... tens of thousands of these synchronous fireflies. And and it's almost as though you can see the wave go through the forest, left to right or right to left, you know, depending on the year. And here you are, you see it, and there's just there's about five seconds on, eight seconds off. Five seconds on, eight seconds off. And it becomes a wave. And it just it war it works from 
one side of the forest to the left and you just like is this for real what did i what did i drink at the I, campsite and the, the, right and the <laughs> funny thing is is that they're only so uh the little river trail used to be the railroad and um, that was that was where the rail line was and so um, you've got houses to the left and houses to the right. So if you're walking down the little river trail from the parking area, the little river is to your left. And so you have these old houses. Um, only one has been redone, but you have these old houses to the left. But the fireflies don't really go on that side by the river. No. They're really to the right side. And if you go back in those woods, well, that's where it- some of these... These, it has like, a lot ex- to do with the moisture. Yeah, yeah. And, and and they and they eat um, they they have a, like a specific diet, and that that they like they like the 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 um, the moisture part, the thickness of the uh, the underbrush. That's that's what they like, and that's why because on the other side it's kind of rocky. Yeah. But on that side you've got such, such thick underbrush. Oh, the women are you know hiding from the men. Right, right. <laughs> and um, so that's where some of these old houses now now. I don't know if they they tore down some of the houses in 2017. I don't know what's there. I have not been back there. But um, one of the reasons that sparked uh, this podcast was because they're out now, or they were there. They were there last week, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, like really miss going out there this year, and uh, and it really kind of made me kind of sentimental. Like it was such a beautiful experience. So I really wanted to, we really wanted to share this with you guys. And talk about go. I mean, it, it might take a little effort to get there. Yes, there's. It can get a little crowdy, but go. It is a magical, magical, magical experience. Um, and and the way they the way they do their dance is just absolutely, absolutely spectacular. So so the males, what they do is they they kind of flash around. You know, males are always trying to show off. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're always trying to show off. And so the females generally stay on the ground and respond with a fainter double flash <laughs> that is not that has no set intervals. So they're like, saying, all right, I might be interested. I might be. Might, yeah, I might be. Might. I'm sitting here. Show me what you got. And so then the but males. But I'm not going to give it my all. The males see them in the grass and they fly down. And at that point, the mating is somewhat competitive. That, you know, of course it is. <laughs> we, and of course, that they think that the female really needs a large amount of light. And so they don't know. I mean, basically they think. But the females are attracted to a lot of light. So, you know, it all comes down to large light, I guess. And <laughs> so they're like, show me what you got. The male flashes his light and let the mating commence if, if, you know if you're good enough so that's really the whole dance that's how the synchronous fireflies mate um and it's really crazy because they don't live a long time the larva uh stays down there for a while and um they don't eat for a long time so it's very it's a very very short time of of mating and living and then they 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 they, they sleep for the rest of the year but could you imagine though you know as i was thinking could you imagine go back to 1900 right the the railroad the logging industry is kind of dying out 
Um, the Appalachian Club has come in and put their little motel and they've started building their cottages. They know nothing about the synchronous fireflies. They brought them in on the railroad. And you build your little house back there. Yeah. And June 1st comes. And you look out your window at night and you're surrounded by these these fireflies. I mean, I can't even imagine what you would... How, I mean, no wonder they wanted a 50-year lease, you know, right? <laughs> chicka bound bound. I mean, no. I mean, look how, look how beautiful that would be. Yeah. You know? Um, but, you know, I guess... You know, I guess really when did they start settling in there is the question. You, I, know, the, you know, the fireflies. You know, I don't uh, know. They don't really say... I have not been able to find any historical data of when the fireflies first appeared in the Smoky Mountains. If, if any of our podcast listeners know, please let us know. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, I would imagine they've, they, they've been there for, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they, maybe they were brought in, you know, um, you know, on a railroad. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. That would be a great uh, piece of information to, uh, you know, to know. So, um, yeah, yes. by the way, really appreciate blueberry.com for hosting this podcast. If you guys are thinking about putting on your own podcast, uh, please go to blueberry.com or you can go to the backpacker.tv where our podcast is posted on episode 63. We have a banner there that says one free month of hosting. So if you're thinking about hosting a podcast, we, have, we get a lot of questions about how to host a podcast. What, how did you guys start? Um, what equipment do you guys use? So if you're ever interested, please drop us a line. We can get you one free month to start your podcasting career. It's a lot of fun. We really enjoy it. Uh, we do host it on blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-R-R-Y.com. And just type in trust the, tra trust the Trail in your promo code, and you'll get one free month. So we really super appreciate Blueberry for hosting our podcast. So um, Elkmark Campground in the Smoky Mountain National Park, easy to get to um, if you're coming down from uh, the west, if you're coming down from the north, it's probably a little bit easier. Now, if you're in the southeast where we are, you got to go over the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> and there's only one road that does it, <laughs> and that's 441. So um, it from Atlanta where we are, it takes every bit of four hours to get there. Um, probably three hours to get to Cherokee, um, Tennessee, but literally takes an hour to get over the mountains. Yeah. So let's say the Great Smoky Mountains is not quite in your vicinity to be able to get to. So you're probably wondering, okay, now where do I, where do I, where do I see these? Now that I know when to see them and what I get to see, where am I seeing them? Um, so in all... So the Great Smoky Mountain National Park was used to be, to be thought probably that it was the only place in North America to be able to see these species of fireflies. Um, and it's not. It's just only the most well-known location. Ooh, do tell. So a couple of different places that they can be found in these mass quantities um, is in near Knoxville, Tennessee. So Oak Ridge. 
um, Oak Ridge in Tennessee, right outside of Knoxville. It's actually a WMA and it has been for the most part completely untouched since World War II. Um, now they're kind of letting people in here and there, though it's extremely controlled access. Um, but there are paths um, open for hiking, mostly day use, um, that do allow you back in there. Um, but you would have to do a little bit of research because it is very closed access. Um, that is one location. Also, South Carolina. Are you seeing a theme here? Um, Congaree National Park, and I believe I said that incorrectly, but Congaree National Park. It's in South Carolina. It's actually one of the most least known, now cat's out of the bag, but it is also an area where you can find these species of synchronized fireflies. Then Arizona. Could you, I'm, I'm going to butcher the name of this, but it's in Arizona. Cajon Bonito, Arizona. Cajon? Cajon? Is the J silent? Seriously, we definitely need... Cajon Bonita? Arizona. But anyway, in Arizona, um, this is actually a different species that's found anywhere else, but it still lights up in a similar fashion. So Arizona, you guys, since you're not in the southeast and around about... Arizona has a similar thing. I cannot say that it is as spectacular as those found in South Carolina, Tennessee, and the Great Smoky Mountains, but it is a potential for you if you can't make it out here. Then you have Southeast Asia, the mangrove forests out there, the same species found in the Great Smoky Mountain. They aren't as rare out there, though, as they are in North America. So there's more of them out there? There's a lot more of them in oh. multiple locations, which is why I'm thinking Let's that do maybe a we brought... <laughs> who wants Who wants to go <laughs> to Southeast Asia? I'm in. Absolutely. Um, so they are there and in the mangroves. And so that's a pretty unbelievable thing to get to be able to witness. So you got a couple of places on the globe to choose from. Yeah. And, you know, no matter no matter where you go, you know, just always be respectful of this particular species of firefly because they are very, very um, sensitive to 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 light. Um, they like their darkness. Again, even at the full moon, um, they it may take them a while to get going. So, if the full moon uh, lights up in that time period, if you're going to go to the Smokies, and you have a full moon like in the second. Uh, or the, I'm sorry, the third or fourth week of May or the first or second week of June, you know, you may want to take that in consideration because they don't, they don't, they don't like the light. So please, 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 when you go to see these fireflies, uh, if specifically if you're going to go to the Elkmont uh, campground area, which, you know, I, I would recommend going, just don't bring a headlamp with a white light on there. Just turn it to red. Um, no flashlights. No cell phone um, and uh, you know if, if you've got to see where you're going uh, make sure it's a red light and you point it to the ground never point it in a horizontal position um, the National Park Service is really trying hard to preserve that area and it's got a lot of rich historical 
beautiful value to it. And so we want to be good stewards and make sure that we keep it the way it is. Absolutely. And if you ever get to go to Elkmont Campground, just even if you don't go um, to see the fireflies, there's so much history th that you, you will be just to walk around um these historical houses which you can walk in you can walk in inside these things some of them are cabins some of them are small some of them are kind of big um it really got to give you a sense of you know how people lived back in the early 1900s um it's very very cool it's a i love that campground um you know it's got a lot to offer and it has spectacular backpacking trails so you can park your car Get a, a permit, get a backpacking permit, park your car at the Little River Trailhead and go to town. And it, you know, you got about three miles away, I believe, from the Elkmont Campground is your first backcountry campsite. Um, and then you're not that far away from starting your long hike up to the ridge, to the Appalachian Trail. Um, and from there, you can go wherever you want. Uh, my friend and I did a beautiful loop hike out of Elkmont campground and oh my god it was just a spectacular spectacular hike I think we did a a three-day loop and uh just full of rich history out there and it's really really cool yeah to go see it's a so, special place yeah absolutely so thank you guys so much for listening really appreciate that uh we are we're the synchronous fireflies hold holds a very special place and our heart, uh, really some beautiful experiences with some really good friends. Um, and um, really wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, just Google synchronous fireflies in Elkmont and you will get a ton of information. Uh, during uh, the last week of May and the first couple weeks of June, they have shuttle services. They are very particular who they let in. Gonna have to get your reservations early. The one thing that I see people do is in December and January, um, they start booking reservations and and people will get a block of sites. And so what they do is they get a block of sites and then they, they go through the cancellation policy. So a lot of these national park, they have cancellation policies, but people are willing to throw away, uh, you know, a few dollars to be able to get the campsite. Um, so that's one of the things that we see a lot while we're trying well you're trying to get the site um, but you're gonna have to be on it so the people that go to Elkmont they're professional <laughs> reservers <laughs> you know I, I mean they're they're on that computer right away in the in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park reservation system it it's interactive so just go get a campsite don't worry about where it is just get it you know, um, the, they don't really have a lot of RV sites there. Um, that's on the other side of the river. But just get a, just grab a tent site. The parking spots by the tent site are so close. Just grab a tent site. Your car is going to be right in front of your tent anyway. So um, that's what we would recommend to, to go out there and see them and just and just have a good time. Just they have they have bathrooms there. They have a little concession stand where you can buy firewood and um, some snacks. Um, the ranger station, they have a small ranger station there in the park or in that campground area. And every once in a while they have interpretive shows where you can go to a little, the little interpretive area and they will tell you all about 
the historical value of Elk Mountain. So it's very, very cool. Very, very cool to listen to that show. So again, thank you so much for listening. Um, please, if you like our podcast and want to say hi or make a comment, um, please go to iTunes under the Trusted Trail and give us a, a comment. We really appreciate that. It kind of helps spread our podcast around. Um, in the meantime, you can listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. I think we're on Spotify now. And really, thank you so much. And remember, trust, trust the, the trail. trail. Hey, next week, we are talking to the Black Lachin who hiked the Appalachian Trail last year. Uh, Daniel, he's a fascinating, fascinating guy to listen to. So we hope you uh, tune in to listen to that. So we'll talk to you later. Bye, Bye you guys.